Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 3, episode 36. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me, Mark Taylor. And today I'm chatting to Wally Carmichael and his son, Dalton, who's seven years old. Um, And we're going to be chatting as part of our season three, trying to have this idea from the 10 questions that I'd set on the blog about what a school would look like if, as a child, you could create the environment that you really wanted. So welcome and thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate the invitation. Um, I'm so pleased you could do it. And, and I should um, I should mention that Wally's a, a fellow podcaster and um, his podcast, uh, Men of Abundance, is a, a great thing that I recommend that you check out. And what I love about the podcasting community is, is just the uh, the support that everyone gives everybody. And um, and it was so great that you were, you were so enthusiastic to do this and also Dalton w- wanting to do it too. Yeah, absolutely. Anything to help out a fellow podcaster. And we're very passionate about the uh, education and where it's going and improving consistently. And I really appreciate what you're doing, Mark. Fabulous. Thank you so much. So let's get going. So hi, Dalton. Can you um, just say hello to everybody? Hello. Fantastic. And let's just start off at the beginning. And our first question was, if you could design your own classroom, what would it look like? Um, so we were talking about whether it might be an open plan type of room or I was thinking when I first started devising the questions a little bit like you hear Google and Facebook they have like large open plan offices and they decide that for five minutes they're going to go and play table tennis or pool and have a little meeting around their little games that they do and then they go back and do some more work or they might go and do a bit of exercise and that was kind of my thinking for that sort of thing I thought that's such an environment I think I would thrive in if I was going to be at school during that time but but tell me your thoughts what what were you thinking when you when you've read that first question of how you design your your own classroom um i think you'll kind of i think you'll kind of be um like kind of large and it'll kind of be like and it'll it'll have like a fish tank that's like that has a zebra fish that's a zebra fish Fantastic. And and so do you think having um, fish or, or I guess any, any kind of animals or pets within within a classroom is, an, is, a, is a good thing and an important thing? Um, pets can be allowed in school, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Well, that's true at the moment, but that's the thing about being able to create your own environment, you see. It's that you could say, well, we, we could have certain pets that are fine and, and other pets, which maybe I guess if you had a horse in the school, it might be a little bit harder to, to organise around your classroom. But uh, <laughs> so... Um, so could you also just tell everybody at home because they'll they'll recognize that you don't have an English accent. Where whereabouts do you live? Um my mom lives in Panama. <laughs> mom is from Panama. We yeah. live in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see from the, the picture on my screen that you uh you're um stood on the beach with the with the sea behind you. Is 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 that your sort of local environment? Is that your sort of day to day view? Yes, the, we live on. That's our basically our front yard. How fantastic! I mean, that 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 probably would be lots of people's dream idea of their 
uh, if they're not not their classroom, certainly their working environment. I mean, I'd certainly love that. I have to say, <laughs> it does make it hard to uh, go to school when you're walking along the beach to get to the classroom. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so, Dalton, let's th- let's think about how much time you'd spend during your um your school day in terms of rather than having sort of set times of doing certain activities. Um, how would you split the day up? Would you have an equal amount of um, studying time or exercise time or playing games? Or how, how, how would you decide that you would split your day or ha- have your day work for you? Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll hang out with my friends like, um, and then we draw some pictures. So do you think each day would be slightly different? Would you like to have have the flexibility to think well today is almost like a day where I'm happy to just play all day and then another day might be where you want to spend more time studying or doing a project or do you think each day would be the same sort of day um I think do a project in class okay and and what sort of projects do you like doing is there anything you've done in school that you really enjoyed doing or if you could create your own project what would that be around um, the thing that I love doing, um, is doing, we did watercoloring before, water oh. painting. Oh, fantastic. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that work? Um, so it's like the paint, so you, first you get the paintbrush all wet and then you put it in one of the, then you put it in one of the colors that you want. Oh, I see. You put it in the paper and draw. Great. And and so if you were going to do a project of that, would you have, um, I don't know, would you sort of think about maybe you were going to do some kind of exhibition so you do a, a, a multiple number of pictures or, or would you think it might just be a, a one-off kind of picture? Mm, I don't really know yet. In your in your school, I mean, I mean at the moment, as, as we were just talking about your environment and the beach and everything like that, um, how, how much time would you like to spend inside or outside? I mean, do you have an outside classroom? Is that something that you enjoy? Mm, no. No, so you're, you're mainly inside all the time at the moment. So would you like to spend more time outside as part of your school day? Mm, actually, yeah. Yeah? Because it's cold in the room and it's very hot on the outside. Oh, right. So or, or I guess the other thing is whether actually having the the ability to go outside whenever you'd like to and come back in whenever you'd like to. But still, whatever the work is that you were doing, you'd have the opportunity to, to choose to do either or. Does that sound like a good idea? Mm, yes. Yeah, you like that. Great. And and what sort of um, sports do you enjoy doing and what, what would you like to do more of in school? Um, I like soccer and there's a... Japanese class um like I mean a karate class my mom are trying to sign me up for karate yeah that's that sounds very good and uh, I I think would you would you play soccer every day if you had the choice as part of your school day Mm, yes yeah we do have a soccer ball do you fantastic and then that sounds really good I think that's it I think I think being able to do something that you really enjoy every day is a is a really nice way of spending your time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you assess your progress? And by that, um, I mean, how how do you feel that you're better at something now than you were, say, maybe a year ago? Um, 
do you have anything that you do to assess how that works? I mean, I guess in school you may well have tests or exams or anything like that. But um, if you if you wanted to be to know if, how much you'd improved at something, how would you go about someone telling you that, or were you assessing it on your own? Sometimes we do exams. And and how, do you do you enjoy doing those? Yeah, they're very fun. Oh, Hard are they? To. Oh, great. And and what 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 do you find fun about them? Huh? What what do you find fun about them? Um, like, how do you know? How do you know which number it is, or which picture it is? Right, I see. And um, how often at school? Currently, do you talk about things like exercise and um, how your sort of day to day well being? So, um. How often the things that you eat, the things that you're exercising, talking about breathing or talking about sleeping or, or even mindfulness. Is, is that something that comes up in your class at school at the moment? Mm, no, but some of my friends, we like to talk about like psychology. Oh, uh, OK. And, yeah. and did that come through something you were doing at school or is it just something that they were interested in anyway? That didn't come out of school. No. Okay. So it's quite good, isn't it, when you when when your friends and and, and yourself can can come up with things which uh, which you both both find interesting. Okay. Great. So, how often in school do they talk about um, babies being born, or also the the other end of the the spectrum? How often do they talk about people who've passed over or who've died in someone's family? Is that something that gets discussed during your class time? Mm, no. But in the old class, we used to talk about Jesus. Okay, so you sort of did it through that sort of formal, sort of religious idea. My my daughter's school, um, they ring a school bell when somebody's been born in the family, which is always a really nice thing to have done. So it means that every time there's a baby being born, whether it's a, a sister or a brother or a cousin or something like that, they um they go and ring this bell, which is always a really it's a very happy occasion. They they do it to to welcome a new baby into their community, which um always is always a really lovely thing to 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 hear actually. Um, how often is part of your class do you discuss things like money or budgets or savings or um, anything related to money? Um, is it something that you've covered so far or, or is it something you think you may cover in the future? Mm. Sometimes me and my friends, um, Sean, we like talking about like fidget spinners. Oh, uh, Okay. And um, my my daughter's got one of those. And um, do do you discuss how if there's if there's a if there's something that you'd like to buy, do you have to save for it yourself, and do you have to do you have a, any pocket money or anything like that? Yes, I do have. Yes, I do have pocket money. Ah, uh, okay. So if you, if there's something a little bit more expensive that you need to that you'd like to have, do you have a a plan to save or or how, how do you sort of increase your money in order to be able to buy anything that you would like? Yes. So you you are you do sort of have that idea of savings, but but that's something you've done at home rather than at school. That's how I get toys by saving money. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that way you can get what you like, then, can't you? As well, because you you're you're the person who knows best what it is that you'd like to have. Um. Do you um do you work with a mentor or do you know do you actually know what a mentor is and what that means? I don't really know what it means. 
So I think probably at your age we're talking, I guess it would be a kind of a type of teacher, but not necessarily someone who takes your whole class and and teaches you all English and maths or, or in whichever format you would normally do, but more of, a, more of an individual person often who is able to, to support you in, in, in whatever it is that you're trying to learn. But I think that may well be something that you'll do um, or something you would come across when you're slightly older, I would think. Our question number eight um, it was, is to do with leading people. When you work in projects or when you do things at school, do you often work in teams um, or with, with a, a group of people? Or um, I guess sometimes you might work with a group of people depending on how your tables are laid out at school. Um, but is that something that you do within your class? Um, we can just go in groups, but if there's too much, you can go in that group. Uh, okay. And so, and when you're working in your groups, is there usually someone that's leading it or do you kind of all say the sorts of things that you think are important and then decide what mm. to do from there? I don't, that's the one thing I don't really know about. Okay. So let's think about, um, projects that happen within your community. Um, so when you're at school, do you also go out of school and visit other people in the community or do you mainly stay inside the school during, during the year? I do. I stay in this, I stay in the school during the, um, during class. Right. Well, right. sometimes I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And, and you said you enjoyed soccer. Um, Mm-hmm. Is play, playing in 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 a school team is that important and 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 anything which you sort of do with your friends sort of outside of the normal classroom like if you do a school concert or or like you said a sporting event or or a sporting team is that something you enjoy doing? I think I feel it's important to me because um, soccer is a um, a hard sport too. A hard sport to sort of get all the skills that you need in order to, to do it yeah yeah and do you do you find that a lot of the things that you enjoy like that like your sporting things are they clubs that happen during your normal school day or are they sort of before school or after school oh sorry what so the the things the things that you enjoy doing this um um school like um if you're doing soccer or that sort of thing does it happen during your school day or is it a club that you do before school or a club that you do after school no, um, it's like at recess. Even I play, even I play like football for my other friends. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind kind of outside of your normal time. Oh, that's brilliant. So that that gives us a real sort of insight into your um, in into your sort of school life and and the sort of the sort of school that you might like to design. Um, and so when at the beginning you said about having a sort of a, a large classroom, how how large do you think that would be? Maybe like I don't really know about that one though. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fabulous. And um, can I just ask you, Wally, bring bring you back in there? Is I mean, from from your experience um, of 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 your school life, and also obviously now now as now as a father, um, what 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 are your thoughts on 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 some of those ideas about how the how the school system works now as opposed to the sorts of changes you might make if you if you could if you could make any choices yeah just from my experience i have three boys and uh 22 soon to be 18 and dalton will be 8 in august and um with all three of them 
with the various teachers, they were all pretty much the teachers wanted to diagnose them with ADHD type of stuff. But one teacher specifically who she said she had adult ADHD, she had her classroom set up so that there were couches, rugs, throw pillows, uh, bean bags. And as long as the students were paying attention and doing what they were supposed to do, they could sit wherever they wanted. Right. And if they didn't, then they had to go sit in one of the desks. Okay. And some of them were comfortable in the desk, but she would make them go sit in a desk in this one area. Kind of a, it was kind of a punishment type of thing, but at the same time, it was just letting them, giving them choices to do, sit where they wanted to do. The other thing that I really liked about that particular classroom was some students, especially boys, and I, I mentioned I have boys because they are different and they all learn like me. They're kin- kinetic learners. And they, my, my son that I was talking about, my oldest, he couldn't express himself as far as an understanding of the material being taught in the classroom. He couldn't express that as well in writing. And the teacher recognized that. So she just wanted to make sure that he understood the material being taught in the classroom. So she asked him to basically do like a project, like a mock-up. Let's say, for instance, it was a Native American type of um, subject. And he would have to create like a landscape with the how, you know, how they lived some of the livestock they had, some of the activities that they did on a daily basis and stuff like that. And he created that. And then she was like, okay, got, you got it. You know, you understand the material. Yeah. And it really fostered more of a creative learning environment. And I just love that environment for learn, for learning. Yeah, I, th- I think what it does is it becomes more personal and personalized, doesn't it? You know, it's that kind of, as the child, you know, what is it that you need and how do you learn best? And then being able to adapt the material around that means that you feel like you're able to contribute in a way that's important to you. And I think that's that's really sort of goes back to the, the teachers being more like being more of a mentor than 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 just a teacher. And and, um, and also whether you have projects and that sort of thing that you can actually have some of the material being used in a slightly broader scape. Um, and a broader scope rather and, and I think that really does make a difference and it's just having that those conversations and the the personalized learning I think is so important and and often it, it's needed for everybody it's often sort of picked up when people believe people need extra help but I think if 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 we could teach in that way for everybody I think everyone would thrive much more right that's a very good point and it's it's very difficult for teachers to do that especially if there's just one in a class of 20 and to be able to cater to each individual learning, um, I guess, the way that they learn, right? So the other thing that you said there that I really liked was how, you know, you, that it seems like some of the students need special attention. And it's not that they need special attention or more attention. They just need a different way to learn, in my experience. And that was true with me personally. Even in, in high school, I was – I didn't just didn't want to learn the 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 subjects that were being taught, so I didn't do well at it. And as soon as they said, "Well, you need to go into a uh, special education class," I went in that class and I excelled. And the teacher was like, "Why are you here?" I was like, "I just don't like the subject matter. I can do it if I apply myself. I just don't want to." So it, it, it was like I had a learning deficit, and they put me in a special education class, and it was not the right thing for me because I was embarrassed to be there. So I quickly got out of it. And uh, I think that's the thing about these things being relevant, isn't it? It's a little bit like um, we, we were just chatting before about the idea of money and budgets and savings and, and that type of thing. And 
and my experience with my kids is that you know they they do lots of maths and they do some money related stuff but not in a practical real way and um and I've mentioned this particular story on on a previous podcast but one of the best things they ever did was a project about creating their own product to sell and um and the great thing about that was that it was very creative for them what they did was they came up with a product they thought they could sell to parents they had to finance it themselves in terms of working out how much it was going to cost um they had to market it they had to basically set up their own business and so the budgeting and all the maths and the english based in the material that they created and they had to work in a project they had a sort of a project leader and everybody sort of fell into their own category of of expertise you know there were some people who liked leading there were some people who liked the finance side of it some people that liked the designing and the artwork side of it um, and everyone found they had a common goal, but they all used their individual strengths to work together. And, and it was such a fantastic project. And it really was just because it was relevant to now. It was something they were able to create and something which was actually happening in their lives rather than it just being something else to learn for some point in the future. And I think that's a, another really important thing is actually having it now relevant in their actual world that they can see around them. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And Dalton's acting kind of shy right now. But one of the things that he does when you were talking about money was he recognizes that he's got some toys that he doesn't use very often. So he'll set up a little, you know, tell him about your little shop that you set up in front by the road with your, when you sell your toys. Um, I, I got the toys that I like never, ever played with. And then one of my friends came over to buy one, Kai and Savannah. So we worked through the, you know, how much they're going to cost. He, I let him tell me how much he thinks some, you know, that they're worth. And then I explained to him how much, okay, that's what they're worth to you. But uh, understand it's a used toy and you got to decide how much it's gonna, somebody else is willing to pay for it. And then they go through the negotiation process. And it's really fun to watch the kids negotiate, you know, dollars and cents for, you know, a little toy that, you know, who knows how much we paid for it, but he's selling it for maybe a dollar or something. And he so excited coming in and he, he had, you know, sold his toys and earned $3. And I just think that's one of the biggest learning experiences that we can have as children going into adulthood because ultimately – you know, that's what we do. We ultimately communicate and add value to somebody else and get value back. Absolutely. absolutely. And and what's always great about that is the fact that it's exactly the same principles that you would do if you were buying and selling a house or you were in a, you know, a multi-million pound industry. You know, it, the, the principles and the understanding of all of those things are the same. And um, and that's why I'm often surprised that um, as you as you've just described, I, I've done with with our children as well. Is it's something that we do as parents, but not something which is often done in school, which um which I'm often surprised about, and just just often not quite sure why they don't take that same standpoint. But I guess it's as with lots of these things at the moment, it's quite hard to quantify a result or to be able to have a a test or anything at the end of it to see how well they've done. You know, it's it's something which actually just needs input and discussion from a teacher. And, and that's one of the things I think is quite hard for everybody at the moment is the fact that if there isn't an, an absolute result at the end of it or a right or wrong answer, then it's sort of being shied away from. And I just wish there was a way that we could just sort of implement some of these things back in. And, and I think projects like that are absolutely perfect to, to really give them a, a chance to 
um, to, to have that experience. And like I say, everyone wins. The, the person selling gets rid of the things they don't need, but they earn get the money. There's someone else that's actually bought something which they like. Um, and and most importantly, you're having that conversation, you're having that dialogue, and you're having that barter system of making sure that everybody's happy. And, and I think those principles are incredibly important. Exactly. And I think right there is the flaw. One of your questions was, how do you measure your progress? And it, it's a just a general belief that in one way or one shape or form, you know, one way or another in school and in life, we have to have a way to measure our progress. And it's hard to measure happiness. That's one of the hardest things to measure uh, quantitatively, right? So they can say, yeah, you got it and you passed the test on and so forth. I think standardized tests are inherently a problem that we have with school uh, because of so many reasons, psychologically, as far as the kids that don't do too well at tests, like myself, ultimately feel inferior and like they're stupid. Uh, and it's it's just the way it is because the, the way the system's set up, whereas if there was a way, like you were saying, that we could measure, and, and why does there always have to be a measurement? That's the real question, I think. Uh, are you comprehending are you able to go out in life and communicate and so on and so forth that's the hard thing to do and i get that because at some point even in life you know some people measure their success by the amount of money that's in their bank or the toys that they have you know parked in the garage of their big house you know and everybody measures success differently in real life it's just hard to do that in a school environment to make sure that the students are getting it but like i said the teacher that ensured that my oldest son was understanding the subject matter being taught in the classroom was different for him than anybody else. And she did that with other folks, other children as well. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you probably there just sort of really hit the nail on the head in terms of what I like. And that's the fact that, you know, once you take away the fact there needs to be a result or there needs to be a final answer, actually the progress or the, or the, the way of assessing that progress is purely the conversation between the teacher and the, and the pupil, you know, this is what um, we're, we're trying to learn or I'm trying to ascertain whether whether you understand what we're talking about and through our discussions through our talking through our, our project as we've set it up or however you're working we can see that you've done that because you know you've demonstrated it um, you don't, you haven't had to write it down in, in an exam paper but you've demonstrated in a real practical way um, that you understand it and I think that sometimes is all you actually need you know and if you've got a teacher and um, who turns around and says this child has done brilliantly well and this is what I've done that's all you need <laughs> because you know as, as highly trained professional people that should be enough you know and having faith in our teachers um, that they can educate the children in the way they feel is the best um, obviously with under certain um, um, guidelines you know but but relatively just to be able to say that this child is doing excellently like this and this is how they like to work and this is the things that we've produced together um, then I think that that sh- that shows progress and and it, and it shows what you're doing and, and how you're working and and how you're trying to to move forward because um if you looked back over a year you could actually demonstrate all the things that have been done like that and um and i th- i think that should be enough agreed you know and when you go into the workforce one of the things that many employers look at and i've researched this over and over and i've seen this time and time again that employers they don't they're not looking for grade point averages they're looking for what did you do while you were in school? How many committees were you a part of? Did you volunteer in the community? Were you a public servant type of thing? They, they wanted, they're looking for that because they know inherently 
in order for you to be able to engage in stuff like that, you have to know how to communicate. You have to know how to add value to people and you just have to know how to do whatever it is that they want you to do within their organization. That's what they're looking for. I think you're absolutely right. And I've, I've been involved in many um, conferences and um, committees that exactly that they they have people within industry saying exactly what you said about what they're looking for um and it and it doesn't come from from what the uh, education system currently is set up by and um and i guess that the big question that everyone's thinking about there is you know can does the system need to change it was set up sort of from that sort of industrial revolution idea that we provided a workforce for what was needed outside of school um but it's the outside of school bit has changed the education system hasn't changed with it um so it, it's sort of a, a sort of a never-ending circle of things that aren't actually working for anybody you know that the teachers aren't able to teach in the way that they want to because it's all very standardized testing um which means you can see how well everyone's done in the test but it's not actually creating a workforce for people in 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 the work phase, in in the workforce to actually do the jobs that um, companies are actually looking for. So yes, it's it's a bit of a bit of a quagmire of, of, of how they get out of that. But I think <laughs> that's why um that's why these discussions are really important because you know even if um, children aren't having those discussions in school, we are as parents with our children having these discussions, and the teachers and the educators that are listening to the podcast, I hope start to get a bit of a theme. And, and hearing these themes running through because they're the sorts of conversations that keep coming up and I think they're really important because I think people are really feeling that now and I think that personalised learning idea so whatever it is that you need actually having a purpose um, is, is important and when it's relevant like that it means you're working in that way that I think the, the workforce is, is definitely looking for as well. Yeah, that's absolutely correct and you hit the nail on the head with the, um, you know, the industrial revolution and how our school system the way it's set up now has not changed and the the marketing for colleges back in the day and people often think when i have these conversations that i'm down on education i'm certainly not education is extremely important it's what education you get and where you get it from that really helps the individual excel so back when call you know 50 60 years ago colleges were doing these huge campaigns and they had these posters up with a, a student just graduated college holding his diploma and then right next to him somebody who was a mechanic obviously or some sort of a trades worker right and they basically said that this is the way you want to go with the college otherwise you're going to end up doing one of these trade jobs uh, plumber electrician mechanics on and so forth well the problem is now today there are millions literally millions of trade jobs out there because people don't want those jobs. They're not desirable anymore like they used to be. And people don't want to go to school and get an education in, in, an, in a subject matter or in a vocation that doesn't even exist anymore in some cases, or it's oversaturated. And they're coming out with a four-year degree, literally working at Starbucks, uh, trying to pay off their and, and you know, trying to pay off their eighty to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars student loan. And you can get the difference is you can go through your education, go to a trade school, learn a trade. And there's so many scholarships out there for the trade schools right now that they can learn a trade and they can go and start earning money right away and not be $80,000 in debt. So, you know, it's all about what the individual wants to do. But I think we need to go back to realizing where you get your education 
is just as important as the education itself. I think that's absolutely right. And, and the other thing you mentioned just before was about um, being happy, um, which I which I think should be an integral part of, of everybody's schooling, it, just in terms of understanding um, what that means. I mean, how, how would you define that? And, um, and how would you put that in, into some kind of school system? Yeah, that's a great question. I tell my boys all the time, uh, my what I want for them is for them to decide what sort of lifestyle they want to live and then ultimately do what you can to find a vocation that will help you live that lifestyle, understanding that hard work is involved. And I think that being a producer in whatever it is that you feel is your genius uh, is ultimately what you know, what makes you happy? I mean, some guys want to go be firefighters and that's their, that's their genius. That's what they want to do. Some guys want to work, you know, in a, in a cubicle and, and create spreadsheets and do accounting and stuff like that. I think whatever it is, every, we have to be productive. Part of being happy for me personally is being productive. Everybody talks about retirement and they want to retire and retirement really didn't even come about until it's, if you want to get biblical about it, retirement doesn't even exist in the Bible. There's no such thing. Retirement came about about 18, I think it was 1880s, by a German, uh, some German philosopher and started this whole retirement idea. But the fact of the matter is, retiring, those that retire, they die very quickly. I mean, literally, ultimately do nothing, no value for the community or anything like that. I bring that up only because it's important for us to produce and be valuable within our community. And whatever that is to you, it can be anything from literally digging ditches, if that's what makes you happy. If I know, you know, I know of stories of a guy who owns a septic tank company. He was a corporate, you know, executive, got tired of it, was, you know, verge of heart attack. His health was declining. Somehow he found out about, uh, or his septic tank went bad. He had to have it replaced. He could not believe how much it cost to get that done. So he started doing it. He decided to do it himself. And then he did a neighbor, and then he did another neighbor. Now he's a seven-figure income earner, and he owns a septic tank company. He didn't love it. That's not what he wanted, saw himself doing. But he's extremely happy because he's, his own, he's doing what he wants to do. He's helping other people in a very serious situation. He's providing value, and he's getting value back, and he's able to live his life. If a septic tank owner, somebody who changes out septic tanks, can be happy, that anybody can be happy as long as you, you know, find your passion in what it is that you're doing. I think I think that's really important, and 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 just thinking that through, and and also from having talked about the project idea of things earlier on, I think if if you have, like you say, something which you're passionate about that you want to follow through, you will learn the educational important things that go with it. So, um, like 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 you say if you're going to create some kind of business no matter what it happens to be if you're passionate about it you will then go away and you'll work out the maths that you need to be able to to run a company you know you'll work out the type of english um and um grammar that you'll need to be able to put a proposal together maybe to get a bank loan you know or um you'd um you'd work out how to work in a team um how to get employees around you that can support you to get your dream and how to how to build that community um and i think when it starts with you and your passion like you said i think the rest of it falls into place because you're not then learning it because you have to you're learning it because it's important um and 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 i think that's true at any age i i, I always come back to this as being a podcaster you know i'm um, my podcast launched in in December, um, but for about a year before, I, you know, I learned about recording 
recording. I learned about editing. I I just found all the content I possibly could and read lots of stuff and listened to lots of stuff. Not because I had to, but because I was really passionate about it and I wanted to. And and I just think if if that had been my setup in school, um, then. I think my experience would have been very different if I understood it back then. I mean, I did experience it through my music. Um, that was the thing I wanted to do. I played and I practiced and uh, I really enjoyed that. And I did work that way for that particular subject. But if I understood that in the grander scheme with all the different subjects, I think I would have been, uh, I think it would have been a very happy place for me to start as a child in education. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up too because just my last episode that I just uh, launched yesterday for my podcast, 80, episode 88, it, I talked about that. I talked about I love the outcome, but I don't love every bit of the process. <laughs> and I'm talking about many different things, but specifically I did mention podcasting. I love this part of the podcasting. I love having these conversations with amazing people around the world and living a life of abundance. But then I have to do all the editing and each episode takes like three hours, you know, from start to finish, not to mention the research that I do on my guest and, and all that type of stuff. So when it comes to anything in life and whether it's your vocation or you're trying to, you know, get stronger, faster, healthier, lose weight. You're excited about the outcome and that you can be passionate about, but you don't have to have passion in every single process, every part of the process. And that's where a lot of people fall short. As soon as they find that part of the process that they don't like, they stop doing what they're doing and they never realize the outcome. They see it in their mind, but they never realize it. And I just think, you know, some people, so many people talk about passion. I want to find my passion and do that. I think you can find passion in part in parts of everything that you do, uh, and ultimately that's what you have to do, and then get great at it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really really important point. That the whole understanding that you know with with the passion with anything that you want to do, there is a certain amount of of a project or or a passion that isn't your favorite part of it and that's just a question of then just working through understanding where it all fits in your in your profile of the thing that you're trying to attain and 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 do the small things every day that are going to help you like you said you know if it's a fitness thing you know you might not want to get up at um 6 a.m before you go into school for example if you're going to be training for something on the track but actually you know that each of those little increments are going to help you get better and get faster and that's going to make a big difference so that like you say when you have your end end result in your mind you know you've had that hard work you know you've also got the passion to do it and you've actually supported yourself in every possible way you can to to realize what it is that you were trying to achieve yeah excellent excellent so well thanks so much for chatting it's been really interesting thanks dalton for all your inputs and um and you're I think, welcome thank you and i think you're very lucky because you're obviously having these discussions with your dad as well and i think as we said education we talk about in terms of schooling but i think understanding as well that our education is from everybody that we come into contact with and so whether we're getting it through our parents or whether we're getting it through a mentor or through our teachers or or other people in the community understanding that it's all part of our education and our learning experience and we're all making a difference is actually the most important thing that we can probably take away and from there even if we believe we'd like it to be, look different in 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 our eyes whether it's the type of school that we have or, or the environment the school's in if we take in that bigger picture and all those people we've got in our lives I think we can be very grateful that we're heading in the right direction and and taking all the positives and learning what we can for that and trying to change the bits that we can think we can improve on 
Yeah, absolutely. So thanks very much for joining me. And um, I really appreciate your time. And um, and um, yes, I hope um, Dalton, the rest of your schooling involves um, more soccer and in, improved skills in that area and, um, and gives you the happiness that you want out of life. Thank you. You're very welcome. And so thanks for joining me here on the Education on Fire. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again another time. I heard about my dad that he said it was fun, so I believed him. <laughs> so this is why I did it. Right, great. Well, I'm really pleased. I think it's a great thing for you two to share. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. Aloha. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.